0: Okay, we're going to go ahead and resume in our study. And we can take our time with this because it has a lot of deep meaning and impact. Um, I do want to mention um, that um, you were paying attention yesterday about the, uh, those of you who don't know, we were in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago, my, my wife and I, just for a brief um, uh, getaway and uh, there was a, a shooting yesterday at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. And there were 11 fatalities and uh, six or seven or more who were wounded as well. And so you're going to be hearing a lot about that in the news. The the point uh, that should be made in this situation is that you have to understand the climate uh, that we're in as far as, um, you know, it was it was less about the Jewish faith as much as it was about the fact that the people were Jewish that were being attacked. And so you have that type of mentality to, for, that people uh, are going to act out on. And the other cautionary uh, measure with that is that that particular synagogue did not have any security. Um, Whereas where, there are some synagogues that actually have had security uh, in place. Uh, that could ward off any attack, so I'm mindful of that just based upon the fact that while we are people of faith, we need to be aware of our surroundings and aware of people who are coming in. We do have a we do have a backup or a, I would call a disaster plan for this church when there is some sort of an intrusion like that um, that we have been working on, and uh, as we get closer to making sure that everything's been Finalize with that that'll be revealed to you um but obviously uh, prayers are noteworthy in the situation um that we are in a climate where people will just come and do what they think they should do based upon the way they feel it's a it's a demented approach um but it it also just shows how satan is going to continue to stir up discord That is essentially what his intent is because that's what he wants to see. He wants to see discord. He wants to see people who are um, at odds with each other Uh, be aware of that climate. When you look at even a topic like this where we are discussing about God's care, that is also an effort for Satan to stir up discord. He does not want... A believer to have a healthy relationship with Him does not want that. Does not want to see any healthy type of relationship. So when we are discipling others, we need to be aware of that very thing as we're talking to people. When you talk to someone, you wonder where do they get this theology from? Where did this get this way of thinking from? Well, there's all kinds of reasons for that. You know, the thing that we have to understand is education is the thing that thwarts all of that. But we still need to understand that people will still have their own impressions about who God is. You need to be aware of those things as you're talking to people. I'm sure that many of you have been talking to people who have theology that is just completely uh, whacked out. I think that's the best way to put it. Just whacked out. It doesn't have any um, basis or merit. And we need to be aware of those things as we talk to people. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we will get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you of the constant reminders that you truly are the one who is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. We recognize that things are happening around us sometimes that are beyond our control, but we know that you are in complete control. We know that you are the one who is indeed in authority, and you do have the power. And Lord, we must rely upon that power and authority as we proclaim the gospel before others. We thank you again for your presence to this morning. We give you praise and thanks in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We left off with our lesson. I need to get my copy here. Where we were speaking about God delivering. The stories that were being taking place. And let's go back and summarize real quick as we get back to the uh, where we left off last week. We were speaking specifically about painful circumstances, asking someone about or explaining to someone about situations where they have very painful circumstances where you Know that something very bad has happened to someone and actually, what happened yesterday is right in line with what we 're talking about isn 't it when when someone is when someone is murdered, how do you explain to someone what exactly is happening and what is happening and There is no real explanation for it other than if you just look at the the information that's before you, you have a, a madman who decided to go into a church, into a synagogue, excuse me, and just at 730 in the morning, by the way, and just start shooting. So you can't explain that and you can't explain it away and just say, well, it's God's will or, well, it's this is something that, that happened. First of all, that's not God's will. That's not what he wants for any of us to do. So we need to be very understanding about that aspect of it. It's not God's will for someone to come and shoot somebody in that manner. So we also need to recognize that these are questions that we have. When someone passes away that's close to you, it's hard to reckon with. Um, Our friend Brent is back in the hospital. He had just gotten out of rehab. He has bone cancer um, and, and prostate cancer. He is, uh, has, uh, he went through rehab just to get some extra strength because he had some surgery that was uh, done to help take care of some internal bleeding issues he was having uh, and, and just bleeding in general. And so now he's back in the hospital. He is in intensive care. He has an infection. Now, just as a reminder, this, the wife, uh, she's the one who's been going through all of this, and we were at a funeral a couple of weeks ago where her father had passed away. He had had successful surgery, uh, to remove a cancer, uh, mass, um, and, but he had died, unfortunately, from an infection that would never, he never recovered from that. So, what do you say to somebody about this? Now, we're praying for Brent, who's in the hospital, to just get to get through the holidays. I, I, you know, sometimes you have to make your, your, your prayers very focused, because he's in intensive care. He's in the hospital, he has an infection. We're praying that the infection is, is being healed, but his, his immune system is like zero. There is no immune system. With all of the the cancer treatments that he's had, the uh, that he's had to deal with, so his immune system is pretty much shot. And we're just praying he gets through the holidays, gets past Thanksgiving, gets past Christmas, and next year we'll see what happens. And so we're we're taking those prayers for, for what they're worth. But now this woman, the the wife of this guy, lost her dad two weeks ago, and now her husband is laying in the hospital, in intensive care. So. You know, I didn't necessarily correlate this class to line up with life as we know it, but sometimes that's just what happens. So what do you say to someone about this? What do you say about those things? I'm I'm on page two. I kind of just started talking, but I hadn't really gotten back into the material. But let's go back. Let's go to the bottom of page two. And let's pick up where we left off kind of before we we stopped yesterday about the story that was told by um, Jennifer Rothschild in reference to the friend of hers in in school that was murdered. Um, We need to be challenged about how God is completely in control. These things will happen and that we know that the topic where we looked at about what what was the response that her dad gave to her when, you know, asking about why would God allow something like this to happen? And dad's response simply was that she is not a victim, she's a victor. She was brought from it. And the point that was made was that even though she was murdered, she did not have any lasting effects of suffering in reference to what had occurred, where if... You know, there are many, 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 many rape victims and assault victims who have lasting effects of those things. So why was this person just taken out completely? Well, of course, we don't have an answer for that. But we must always remember something about God. God knows every single detail about us and what we can bear. What we can bear. He knows what we can bear. He has said in His Word, and somebody, I'll challenge you to find the verse for me, um, that He will not allow anything to be so overburdening that you can't bear it. Now, I, I don't know where that verse is. I can't remember where it is, but that's a verse in Scripture where God knows you so intimately that He knows that you cannot bear. There's a certain point. There's a certain thing. And he will not allow that to happen to you. Second Corinthians two fourteen. Now, interestingly, okay. Second Corinthians two fourteen. All right. Well, let's take a look. we, we We could. a backup scripture you're not feeling that confident anymore what is it 1 Corinthians 10:13 Okay that's the one I'm refer- referring to the 1 Corinthians 10:14 10:13 uh, Okay it says uh, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity but God is faithful he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation he will also provide a way so that you may be able to bear it. So what was the one you gave? Now, you, the second Corinthians? No, that was, that was the one that I was trying to think of. Oh, okay. But you're not, you don't, you're not as confident about that one anymore as you were before. Okay. <laughs> Now understand something this this is referring specifically this passage 1 Corinthians 10:13 is specifically referring to temptation and bearing you know being able to bear what's happening so ultimately what that means is we have control over how we're being tempted to a certain degree because he gives us a way out if we decide we want to take the other path we that's our choice but he is giving us an out in the same manner, he's going to be consistent with his character. He is doing the same thing, even for us who are victims of assaults, crimes, whatever it is. He knows what you can deal with and what you can bear. And we have to, be, we have to recognize that even in his sovereignty, he knows these things. Anyone have any questions or comment about that? Comments about that? Yes.
1: Well, sometimes the temptation will be to let it overwhelm you instead of focusing on what God has already told you about what's going on in your life. Like instead of hearing His voice, you will make a choice. The temptation is to listen to your own fears, your own voice.
0: That's right. So that's why that's the way of escape is His
1: word in that instance. Because you need, it's like, I can focus over here, but my best bet is to focus on God's word because that's what's going to tell me the truth,
0: even when my feelings don't line up. That's true. Even in the aftermath, we still have to be focused on what God's voice is. We can take it where we're listening to everybody else or even those people who are suicidal. What do you think their argument? What do you think their issue is? People who are suicidal are doing what? They're not necessarily listening to God's voice. They're listening to all the other voices that are encouraging them that life is not worth living. Life is not worth being here. I can't bear it. I can't bear the situation. So it still is incumbent upon us to understand that God is giving us a way to get through difficulty. We have many people who have successfully gone through very, very tough times. It's tough to think about, but it's true. But they have done that. It doesn't mean they've forgotten. It doesn't mean you forget You remember, but it doesn't, it also means that God gives you a way to be able to continue to function and move forward with your life where now you can even help others to get through a difficult situation. That's what ministry is all about. For those of us who have been through less traumatic situations, well, hey, divorce is traumatic enough. Let's just leave that where it is. Emotionally, you know, and hopefully you never have any physical altercations in something like that. But we have a lot more people who have been through divorce and know that that is a very traumatic experience as well too. But God is gracious enough to get you through those situations too. Okay, so let's get back to this. The story... You know, unlike some of us, the, the next to the last paragraph at the, on the bottom of page two. Unlike some of us who, who, if we lived through such agony, would have a marred and awful memory, God compassionately took Regina out of that situation and into his presence. She was brought from it, out of it, and into glory where there are no tears, no crying, and no pain exists. The only scars are the ones on the hands of Jesus. I now think of Regina as she should be remembered. She's not a victim. She's a victor. The question remains, did God really deliver her as he promises? And we went through a, a few situations where we saw how God had delivered people in Scripture for different reasons and purposes. And that's when we talked about Second Corinthians 4 last time. And we also have the passage down at the bottom of page 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we're talking about how f- important faith is in this whole picture. Faith is a necessary element of this. In order for you to be able to deal with or have any sort of a way of reckoning with God's power, authority and sovereignty, you must have faith that he is true, that he's consistent, that he has never wavered. He has always been the same and it applies to all of us. But different things happen to different people. So I would just caution you not to look at the situations or circumstances of other people, but look at your own life with him and what he's done. And remind yourself you're blessed beyond measure. You're blessed beyond measure because you're not going through what some of these people have had to go through. But even in those who have gone through something they in some ways are blessed as well too. You don't see it like that. You don't understand that. But yet they are still being cared for and they are blessed. Now this is not some sort of anarchy or some sort of a statement that is contrary to his word. We have to understand that God loves each and every one of us. But some of us have had to go through stuff that... I wouldn't want to go through. Look at the people who lived before us generations ago. Would you have wanted to go through slavery? No way. And yet they did. And yet, those, even those who, and they couldn't read or write some of them, and yet they had enough wherewithal, God gave them enough Knowledge and information for them to go to a place of worship, one of those little shacks on the plantation, and sing and jump and praise the Lord. How can that be? And yet they did it. They're here because they had a recognition of who their father in heaven was. They may not have been able to articulate it though as well as we do, but you know what? They knew who he was. How can you not say that that's not God's care for those people? You can't. It absolutely is. The greatest tragedy in mankind is a person who does not know God. Because there's a ramification for that. If you don't know God, what's going to happen to you? Well, you live forever, but where are you going to live? We need to understand and look at this. I want the story to challenge you to think less about temporal things in life and more about God's eternal purpose for you and for all of us. That's what this whole thing is about. God's eternal purpose. He has an eternal purpose for us. We sometimes don't always pay attention to those things, but that's what's happening. Now, you know, back on page three, we've got, we went through the passages in 2 Kings chapter 6, Isaiah 38, and Daniel 3, verses 16 through 28 about how God delivered. And of course, the one in Daniel is the one where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery flame when Nebuchadnezzar had thrown them in there because they were worshiping. They were not worshiping the idol that he put forth They said, we're going to worship our God. And whether we get through this or not, it's not going to change anything. Just to paraphrase. That's what they were saying. It's not going to change anything. They, saw their eternal purpose by making that statement they were facing death right before them but they saw that they still had an eternal purpose and they said you know what even if i don't survive this it's not going to change anything about how i feel about this now i challenge you to think about this from the standpoint that shadrach meshach and abednego you got a fiery furnace that you're about to be dumped into Will you change your mind? That's what we need to understand here. You have an eternal purpose. And even when you're facing death, do you stand firm? You know, we've had millions of people martyred for Christ. When you go back through history, just go back from the days, you know, the first martyr we're going to be reading about right now is Stephen. But they stood firm and they recognized what was going on. How you
1: think that they stood firm because of their condition? Did they get conditioned in battle or were they conditioned before they got there? Good question. That was in my mind, Brother Beecher. Mm -hmm. from the time that they came in with um, eating and choosing not to eat certain foods. That's right.
0: Oh, go ahead. We're all friends
1: here. Mhm.
0: exactly the way Daniel was. Go to Daniel chapter 1. I want, to, I want to go back and look at this. This is kind of in line with what Brother Beecher mentioned and also what Faith mentioned. Was this something that was instilled in him before they went into captivity, went into exile? You'd have to conclude, yes, there was training that had taken place, whether it was his parents whether it had been an exposure to life, before they got captured. Because Daniel was being faithful. Now look at verse 8, starting in Daniel 1. I want you to see something here. First of all, you understand that the king's food, you know, we're talking about rich food. We're talking about all kinds of food. I, I'm always amazed by how my kids, uh, when they were growing up, uh, Allison and Bradley, you all remember Allison and Bradley, who are, by the way, now age 31. Allison and Bradley, I know, hey. Allison and Bradley. <laughs> Every time I say that, everybody goes, woo! And it's going to be like that when I say they're 32. Woo! <laughs> Allison and Bradley loved to eat broccoli raw. There was a product that was sold in the grocery store called Broccoli Wackly. And it was basically broccoli tips that were, you know, you could refrigerate them. Now, I ain't never ate broccoli raw. I mean, I just didn't do it. I didn't grow up with that, but. They'd looked at healthy food and they said, hey, this tastes good. I thought they were crazy, but they loved it. They were eating broccoli like, you know, hey, no big deal. Now, both of them are both strapping, healthy people. I mean, they're like, Bradley's like six foot three. And Allison's five, you know, Allison is not obviously not keeping up with him in height or anything like that. But they're both very healthy. So there's something to be said about eating healthy food, okay? instead of eating all this fatty junk that we get served all the time. Right. So keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. You know, if you want to stay healthy as you get older, you have to make some good choices. Look at what Daniel says. Daniel determined he would not defile himself with the king's food because the king was serving wine and and all kinds of fatty foods. He didn't want to eat that stuff. He made a decision because it wasn't healthy, but not only that, it was also contrary to what he understood based upon his faith, what he had learned. So he asked permission with the chief eunuch to not to defile himself. Yep. Yes. Told him what to eat and what not to eat. But that's what I'm saying. That's training. That's you have to learn that. And then you have to see that and you have to understand that. So when it came to making a choice, which is what we were talking about here, about the food being served, he said, I'm not going to eat that stuff. Okay, God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Now, understand, this is God working to honor Daniel's request. Because God has to put something in the eunuch's heart to even listen to him about this. He's honoring God's, he's honoring Daniel's request because God is putting it in the heart of the eunuch to do so. Yet he said to Daniel, "I fear my lord the king who assigned your food, your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king." So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, "Please test your servants for ten days." Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. The great thing about vegetables, uh, according to the the scale uh, for the Weight Watchers program, vegetables are worth zero points. You can't gain weight eating vegetables. You're going to eat a lot of vegetables. Vegetables have water in them. And what they do is they help clean your system out. Vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, remember, all these other guys are eating what? Fatty foods, you know, yeah, they're eating stuff that's junk and alcohol and they're drinking too. And they're drinking. So vegetables to eat and waters to drink. Now, I can't emphasize enough how this is how God is going to use the situation to give honor to Daniel and his people with him that are mentioned here. Verse 13, then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So they were on a meatless diet. A meatless diet. Now, I'm not saying you have to go on a meatless diet. But this is a challenge. This is God honoring Daniel and his, and his friends. I know. Ship from meat for to vegetables. Now, know, for for the vegetables like, hey, what do you mean? <laughs> no fried chicken. No fried chick- oh, Lord, you brought up fried chicken. Fried chicken. Yeah, no fried chicken. No fried chicken. That's right. So, all right, let me finish this passage here. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Now, did he just do that? It says he gave them, these four young men, knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. They, The passage is mentioning this very specifically because... They chose to honor God, and God in response is honoring them.
1: You know, Melanie, for a lot of time when our children succeed in something, they will give the past credit for helping them do it. Okay.
0: Agreed, but it's just like anything else. Our parents can teach us, but we still have to make decisions based upon. That's right. Sure, they had an impact on it, but I also believe that it's very interesting that this verse 17 is stuck in here. After he honored them, God God was honored because they, he trusted in, in the, they trust in the Lord in a very difficult situation. Yeah, go ahead. I think we know our limits. Yep. And I think they knew that it was God at work in them. Faithfulness mm-hmm. and not themselves because the wisdom that they would get, you know your limits and you know when God is doing That's right. That's right. I I believe, and I could be wrong about this, I believe that because they honored God, this thing about verse 17, this was a, something that was additional that was given to them. Because they chose to honor God in a very, very difficult situation. The whole idea of having this additional wisdom and knowledge. You don't ever read about these other guys again. You know about Daniel because we know that, that whole thing about understanding visions and dreams of every kind. That's something that has to be God-given. Yes. Yes. Shadrach Me oh over here?
1: Oh
0: okay, so those are the same guy. Okay, my he changed their names. I forgot about that. Okay. Officially. But what you see is this is where they
1: you got to see a little bit about them and then when you see them again they're playing again, it's like look, we know the guy we
0: serve. Got it. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for that correction. So their names were... That's right, everybody's names were changed. Which, which is hard to keep up with, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, so... But these are things that were added to them. That's something that we need to understand. And so they were, it was added to them, but they still had to be what? They had to be faithful to who God was. In order for that, them to receive these things, there had to be faithfulness. Yes. Yeah, because they were in a different culture and they they had to use the different names that the king had given or assigned to them. It's an ownership issue. Here's a, here's a great example of this that you can relate to. Roots. What was Kunta Kinte's slave name? Toby. And he had, that's the story that basically had be beaten into him to say that his name was Toby. But that's an ownership thing. Okay.
1: Okay. As a liar, Lord is my help. Mm-hmm. So all of them had Godly names. Okay. So right. They named them on a certain day uh, when they were babies. And so that was why they named them.
0: There. What am I reading? It goes
1: with what Brother
0: Beecher was saying. The notes down here? Belteshazzar, old lady, wife of the god Bel, protect the king. That's the name that was given to to who? Daniel. Shadrach, I am very fearful of God, or the command of Aku, the moon god. Meshach, I am of little account, or who is like Aku. And Abednego, servant of the shining one, Nebo. They were schooled in the language and mythological literature of the Babylonians, and their food was assigned from their king's table, reminding them constantly of the source of their daily bread. Okay.
1: That was the naming and the food and all of that was a
0: way of saying, You are not your own. You're not your own. That's right. Yeah, and you know what? They, they were, obviously, there was different. They were all in captivity. Well, let's be clear about that. They couldn't just come and go as they pleased, they would have to find favor to be able to do certain things. Yes. Yes. No. No. Very good points. OK. But what we need is, what I wanted you to see here was that how God honors faithfulness, He honors those individuals who honor Him even in the worst of situations. Because there's nothing good about the situation that these guys were in. Nothing good about it. Okay. Now let's get back to it. We've are we got a little bit of time. You keep talking. I'm going to keep eating. Okay. You're not going back to Genesis chapter 3, are you? Because
1: they didn't kill animals, they eat animals. Yep.
0: I see. Yes? A vegetarian, okay. Well, you're right about that, but we also know that the the animals were still provided for us, for our use. But we still had to follow regulations even in, in the Jewish culture. Yeah. OK. OK. All right. So does that mean you're going to be a vegetarian now? Are you going to you're going to change back to. Going to <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what it would be. OK, let's go to Acts chapter six. We kind of took a, a small detour off of the lesson, but I did want to make a point about. No, yeah, that's all right. This is a. This is a you know, we're free agents here. You can do stuff like that every now and then. You can take a, take a path and circle back to where we were before. But I think you understand the point of how it's important for us, even in the midst of God's sovereignty, God can do whatever He wants, but He still regards all of us who are faithful. Have faith and honor him. Now, this person who died, supposedly in this story, supposedly loved the Lord. So, that's the whole premise of why we're looking at this. And Stephen is another one that we're going to be reading about. Look at Acts chapter 6. And we have to remember, be reminded something, too. Stephen was just some guy. He wasn't, He wasn't just... One of the great prophets or anything like that. He was a guy who was serving food. He was helping people who didn't have food. Now, Stephen, full of grace and power, I'm reading verse eight in Acts chapter six, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But yet, because he was given grace and power, he was performing signs and wonders amongst the people. Opposition arose, however, from some members of the Freedman synagogue composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia. And they began to argue with Stephen, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom in the spirit by whom he was speaking. You see that the spirit God was allowing the spirit to be used where Stephen was speaking very mightily on his behalf. Verse 11, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. So they came, seized him and took him to the Sanhedrin. They also presented false witnesses who said this man never stopped speaking against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. So you see their motivation. They just want the guy out. They want to have him rubbed out. So what do you do when you do something like that? Just lie on him. Just lie. Get enough, enough people to believe you. Guess what will happen? The lie will work. Verse 15. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. What, is that, what does that look like? When you have the face of an angel, do you have like this glow in your face when when somebody looks at you? Is there a change? Is there something about your demeanor? Let me tell you something that's very, very important for you to understand. Now, remember that we're saying that he is empowered by the Spirit. He is working and doing the things for the Spirit. That works for you too. You have the same type of appearance before people who don't know the Lord. You look different because you act different, you speak differently, you have a different way about yourself. When people ask questions, there shouldn't be anybody around you who does not believe that you're not a believer. There shouldn't be anybody around you like that. They should know you're a believer, they should know it without any shadow of a doubt because they've seen you, they've seen you in operation, they know how you talk, they know what you speak. If somebody's apologizing after they swear and they say, oh, excuse me, guess what, you win! you made an impact. You're a winner. There shouldn't be any question about it. So, if there was an enhanced image on his face, I don't know. It looks like an angel. He looks innocent. That's what we need to see here. Now, let's go to chapter 7, because you know that... After this, Stephen had all kinds of dialogue that was taking place in chapter 7. And you're going to go down to verses 54 through 60. And if you have a heading in your Bible, you'll see that. Remember, who, who is he speaking against? People who are lying on him. Opposition. People who don't like Stephen because they think that he's a threat to them. This is very similar to what Jesus had to go through. Because Jesus spoke the truth, told him about who they were, told him that they were liars and this and that and whatever it was, and then they had him, they had him crucified. Here Stephen is saying, verse 54: When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. What were they saying? Well, go back to verse 51. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit, as your ancestors did. You do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You have received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. Let me explain something to you, first of all, about the times we live in today, too. Everything that you're reading about right here, what Stephen is talking about, is true today. People who reject the Spirit... Reject God, reject everything about them, and we'll have people persecuted as a result of that. And in in addition to that, understand too that they have this philosophy because it's satanic. Who's the opposition? Who is the one who puts murder in the hearts of those who are speaking about prophets? The prophets who spoke about Jesus. Satan did it. This is very, very relevant today. Be aware of that. Back to verse 54. When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. In other words, they don't want to hear anything about this God and jesus standing at the right hand they when you have to do all this and you're yelling at the same time guess what you're doing you're trying to block out anything that you want to hear about the lord now you don't always see that but i guarantee you people do it anyway that's why people get so enraged when they hear about the power of god the power of the holy spirit they don't want to hear it they don't want to accept it They've chosen to go the other way. When you're yelling, try it sometime. Yell at the top of your voices and cover your ears. Guess what you can only hear? You can hear yourself. That's all you can hear. You can't hear anything else. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he died. Jesus said the very same thing. Now, this goes back to what faith said. Stephen was like, when you know, you know, you know. And the spirit and the power of the spirit was working within him. And Stephen knew he was going to be put to death. You've got to know that. He knows what's going to happen. But even in the face of death, guess what? He knew, he knew, he knew and declared what needed to be said in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, did God deliver Stephen? Yeah, he died, but he was delivered. This is what we need to see here. This is what we need to understand here. When you're reading about someone's death, and yes, was that person brought out from something? Yeah, absolutely. Because it was Stephen's time to go. And sometimes we don't necessarily look at it that way, but that's exactly what it was. It's his time to go. Now I noticed that no one was here to ring a bell, so we're going to probably finish in two minutes. Uh, just based upon, based upon the fact that it's 10.23. So based upon what the Bible describes as God's deliverance, I believe God delivered Regina. It wasn't in the way I would have chosen, yet I believe it was his compassionate choice. His compassionate choice. Was God being compassionate in the way that Stephen was taken from here? Yes or no? Now don't just say it because I'm asking. I'm just, I'm, I want you to give me an honest opinion. You're saying yes. Okay. Now why would you say yes? Yes.:, and I think his
1: attention was focused on his glory versus the pain of the stones because his eyes stayed focused.:
0: That's right. Eternal purpose. He saw God's glory. Who else said yes? Was that Joanna, whoever said? OK, and why would you say yes as well too? Well he asked God to take him?: OK, He asked God to take him. Lord Jesus received my spirit. Yeah, because he was ready to go. He knew that he had fulfilled the eternal purpose of that. The eternal purpose. There are some things that we recognize when we look at these things that are happening in Scripture and we explain these things, but we have to look at it logically. He recognized that his time was up. He had fulfilled his eternal purpose. He knew that this was being allowed to happen. He knew that God had allowed this to happen to him. And therefore he said, Okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. Taking your mind off of things that are temporal, temporary stuff, stuff that doesn't last, and looking at your life with an eternal purpose. That's how you go beyond and transcend beyond these tragedies that happen in life. If you see things from an eternal perspective, you see them differently than you would from a temporal perspective. Amen? There's no way you can't see it differently. Very important for us to all see that. So, last paragraph, and we'll stop after here. My friend, you may have endured something so awful that you're weeping right now, just recalling it, and wondering why God let you go through it. The fact that you're doing this study tells me that you're gutsy and willing to push yourself, even through your fear, frustration, or fatigue. What has been such a huge missing piece in your life can become a place others will deposit their tears and find hope even when their lives don't make sense. And I added here, this is significant. That's a big deal when you, even in your frailty, even in your situation where you're looking for something for hope, they can be reached through your story, your situation as well too. It's very important. When you see people around you who are suffering and they're going through a difficult situation, you learn from that. You learn from that. You learn some things. You learn empathy. You learn how to treat other people. You learn how to be more sensitive to people. You learn from it. Okay, we'll stop there. God does care. Your church family cares. Keep holding on. Pray for each other. Pray for your church family. Pray for those who are ailing. Just keep holding on. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come together before you and have this study. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you just continue to encourage us and show us the importance of not seeing things from just a temporary perspective, but from an eternal perspective. We thank you for those lessons. We thank you for how you truly do deliver us. The deliverance may not be what we always would see in our own minds. But Lord, help us to be open-minded enough to know that you know exactly what needs to be done. And that you don't make mistakes. And that these things happen for a reason and a purpose. Help us with this as we go forward. We ask now that you also bless the upcoming message and the speaker. And we give you praise in Jesus' name.